and welcome back to News They Ain't Telling You. So, I am the OG of the HRC. Welcome back. Or for the first time, welcome. Make sure you push that little subscribe button. Gonna say that right away, guys. Okay, so let's start off with some quick news to get us going on this Monday late evening. First and foremost, it has come out that Justice Sonia Sotomayor will be the one who swears in Kamala Harris. The first woman VP in the history of our country will be sworn in by the first Latina justice, Hispanic justice at that. So that is exciting. She will be sworn in on a personal family friend's Bible on top of former justice, civil rights icon Thurgood Marshall's Bible. So that is exciting. Um, Biden has released his COVID plan. I'm sure you guys have all seen that. There's a little bit of miscommunication with the $2,400 checks. Basically, the way that I see it and the way that I understood it from day one was once the $600 checks went out, the difference to getting to $2,000 is $1,400. That's where we're at. Those checks will probably go out within the first couple of days of the new administration, $1,400. And I want to say to the squad who's now pretending like $1,400 isn't enough, go check in with your girl AOC because she was tweeting after the $600 went out. You can go back. You can read her tweets. She was tweeting that $1,400 would be the next step. So that's interesting. Um, we have Biden who's wanting to push to go back to school. He wants to get teachers vaccinated. He wants to get school administrators vaccinated, principals, lunch ladies, that to get schools open. I believe that has a lot to do with Dr. Biden since she is a teacher. Um, he is going to be asking FEMA to start building clinics to get these vaccines out because some states are really having issues with getting these vaccines out and we're not getting enough of the vaccines out. Um, here's something really interesting. Israel has 20% of its country is already vaccinated. Now, they are a country of about 8 million people, so there's obviously a big difference between 328 million and 8 million. But by the end of, I believe, next month, the entire country will be vaccinated. So we need to get on it. We have the vaccines. They're ready to go. A third vaccine is on the way, Johnson & Johnson. It's about to get approved, and that is only one vaccine where Pfizer and what I like to call the Dolly Parton vaccine are two vaccines. So that is a good, good news. Biden, in his plan, also wants to raise, he's going to ask Congress to raise the minimum wage to $15. Um, I am hoping with that, I am all for a $15 minimum wage hike, absolutely. However, the only thing I will say is that in small towns across the country, everyone needs to keep in mind that small businesses paying $15 an hour is a big stretch. So hopefully Biden also has a plan to give them a massive tax cut um, so they can afford to pay their employees $15. It's sort of what Obamacare did with small businesses so they can afford to give their, um, their employers health insurance. They gave them a massive tax cut. So I'm hoping with that the $15 minimum wage. Um, so we'll see an increase. So we'll see. Um, that would bring out people's total salary to about 30, 31,000 a year, um, which is much better than getting paid seven twenty-five or whatever the minimum wage is because each state it's differently is, is different as well. Um, so keep this in mind. Um, teachers, when they first start out, entry-level teachers make 33,000, an average of 33,000. So 
we've got to fix that as well because um, someone working at McDonald's and a teacher, they're making near the same. So let's let's up the teachers. Let's get this $15 minimum wage. Let's get the economy going. So I am liking these ideas from Joe Biden thus far. I'm liking the fact that we have an actual president-elect who seems to care. So um, we officially have a second gentleman who officially has his own Twitter handle, second gentleman. I'm really glad they went with gentlemen because first lady, first gentleman, second gentleman. I think Doug Kamala Harris's husband is going to be a great second gentleman. He is a big believer in his wife. So that is going to be exciting. He's a lawyer. He stepped down from his big law firm where he was a partner, and he is now going to be a professor in Washington, D.C. So we are going to have two educators basically in the White House, by the way, guys. We're going to have Dr. Biden and Kamala Harris's husband, the second gentleman. So that's exciting. Um, Giuliani will lead Trump's defense on impeachment. <laughs> uh, that's going to be a circus. And... That's all I can say about that. Um, on the same topic, Lindsey Graham has written a letter to Chuck Schumer, who is about to be the majority leader, um, to stop impeachment. He blames, he also seems to, on this morning's news, he decided to blame Pelosi for the security failure of the Capitol Police and the Capitol being ransacked. Um, so the letter is is about as laughable as Giuliani representing Trump in the, the defense of the impeachment, but okay. Um, I don't quite know what Donald Trump has on Lindsey Graham, but he's got something on him. Because in 2016, when they were running against each other, and yes, Lindsey Graham ran for president in 2016 along with every other Republican known to man, um, he said all sorts of horrible, horrible things. And I th I believe he said, and I'm paraphrasing, if the Republican Party makes him our nominee, we'll be ruined. So that's a complete 180. Um, I guess he wants to stop impeachment because of their healing. That's their favorite thing to go behind now, healing. But I just want to say Lindsey Graham voted to impeach, um, was all for impeaching Bill Clinton over a BJ. So what kind of healing is that? Um, and then, therefore, blaming Pelosi for security failure. Make it very clear when it comes to security decisions on the Hill, Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, none of them make those decisions. So uh, that is absolutely disgusting that he would even say that, um, considering that she was enemy number one on that day. And, you know, since then, there's been a couple people who tried to break in, break through the National Guard to get to Nancy Pelosi and kill Nancy Pelosi. So, you know, how dare he say that? And I know why he's saying that because he's trying to spend this and, and whatever. But man, I wish I knew what Donald Trump had on him. I think I have an idea of what Donald Trump has on him, but we're not going to go down that road today. Um, so Pelosi, in other news, is preparing to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. And she wants to get that done as soon as possible. Just so everyone knows, in 2013, the Supreme Court basically gutted the original Voting Rights Act, which is why we had gerrymandering, which is why we had numbers going down for especially black voters. They made it as hard as possible for black and rural people to get out the vote, and times have changed. So I am so excited because anyone who knew John Lewis knew that his entire life's work was the power of the vote. 
So to for him to have the John Lewis Voting Rights Act is just a little bit of, of greatness. And I know that Pelosi will get this done because they were very, very, very close. So that is exciting news in this new Congress. She passed it in the House, but it obviously didn't go anywhere because we didn't have control in the Senate, but now we do. So the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which is like reinstating our Voting Rights Act, is coming back and... Um, Screw you to John Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, for gutting that and writing the opinion and being proud of what he did on that. By the way, he is not our ally. He is not our friend. So don't think that he is. Um, and last but not least, a little tidbit here. Cindy McCain may be censured for <laughs> by the Arizona Republicans for um, endorsing Joe Biden and for being a fan of same-sex marriage. I guess 1995 called, and that's, that's a thing with Republicans in Arizona still. <laughs> Um, she's basically tossing it off, could care less. But I think we now live in an era where your party is going to censure you for standing your ground in something that you believe in. So, you know, I think she's a tough, tough woman and I actually enjoy her thoroughly. Um, I think that she, her daughter is a whole other entity in itself. I can't believe that's her daughter, Megan McCain, but I think Cindy McCain did the right thing. And she had been friends with Joe Biden for a long, long, long time. And I think that she put country before party. And I think that, you know, girl, you take that censure and, and you run with it. You run with whatever direction you want to run with it because we have your back. So that is the quick news. So obvious. Oh, last one, last one, last one. So sorry. Betty White is officially turned 99 years old. So happy birthday to Betty White who brings us so much joy, so much laughter, a career that has spanned, I think she started in the 1940s in Hollywood, and here she is still doing her thing. She is iconic. She is a dream come true. When I got the CNN alert this morning saying it was her birthday, I got nervous. I held my breath because I was like, please, God, don't take Betty White. But she is officially 99, and let us all uh, praise and bask in the glory that is Betty White. All right, guys, that is the quick news. There you have it. All right, so first news story, big news story um, that I would like to cover in my classic OG of the HRC way is um, there have been 13 federal executions since July 2020 that have been put forth by the Trump administration and William Barr um, at the Department of Justice before he left as obviously the Attorney General. Um, keep in mind that we had had no federal executions for 17 years, so almost two decades we went without having federal executions. Um, the main reason behind that is there was an issue for a while with the actual drug that's used. There used to be a three-dose cocktail that they used to uh, execute the inmate without much pain, and it takes less than a minute, apparently. Well... Um, there was a case. There was two cases in Oklahoma that was not a federal execution, was an because Oklahoma is a capital punishment state, um, where they were executing inmates on separate issues, and for some reason the cocktail of drugs was not working, and it took hours and hours and hours to execute this person. So the federal government um, has been trying to figure out what drugs to use to execute. Now we've gone from a three-drug cocktail to a one-drug cocktail, which William Barr himself has personally overseen. And there you have it. So um, usually what happens with a federal execution is they they sit on death row 
and they get their date on which they're going to be executed. And then therefore their lawyer basically gets to work of trying to appeal, of trying to get new evidence, of trying to do anything to stop the actual execution. Um, usually they have a good portion of time to do that. Um, unfortunately, under the Bar Department of Justice Trump era, that has not been going on. For some reason, they decided to start pushing for federal executions. And to be fair, this transition of, of really starting get going on federal executions, it actually started in 2010 under, yes, Barack Obama. They did not actually execute anyone, but it was in the process of let's restart the program, basically. And William Barr came in and said, yeah, let's do it. And 13 have been executed since. Um, so... Then what happens with the lawyers is usually they go to the federal district court, which is where this is why these are federal federal execution. How it becomes a federal execution is if you have a crime that the DA in the state feels has, is so horrendous that they send you to the federal district courts, which is why this becomes a federal execution separate from a state execution. Um, so then the lawyers will go back and try to appeal to the federal district court one of them, the first time we've executed a woman in over 60 years, we just executed her recently, um, her lawyer went to the federal district court. The federal district court said, maybe we need more, We I believe we need more time because I want to test her mental state. And then, then the uh, opposing, the prosecutor, came and said, no, no, I'm going to send this to the Supreme Court. Within less than 24 hours, the Supreme Court came back and said, no, execute her. Um, and they did that two times in these 13 cases. They said, nope, execute, execute. So that's interesting. So, of course, in those cases, it was six to three. Um, all of those pro-life justices seems to go out the, out the door when it comes to executions. It's so interesting. Um, and I had said that, you know, when RBG passed, the thing that made me I don't want to say most sad because her not being here is the saddest thing of all, but her not sitting on the court. What made me really upset was that I was never going to read another RBG dissent for the rest of my life. And her dissents are like poetry. <laughs> her dissents were something else. And her dissents are basically a setup for future laws. And that's what's brilliant is when we five years from now, 10 years from now, They'll be reading RBG's dissents on why we should change the law. And that's the brilliance of RBG. So I knew that that void needed to be filled by someone. We only have three, quote unquote, liberals on the court left. Breyer is 79 and he's never been the most outspoken justice. He's a very quiet man. He's a pretty solid justice. Most people, I guarantee you, wouldn't even recognize him if they saw him on the street. Um... Elena Kagan is a very black and white person. She's a great justice. I, I, She's a really, really smart woman, but she's very black and white. And in order to be the dissenter of the bunch, you've got to be like, have this gift about you. And so I said, it's going to be Justice Sonia Sotomayor of the Bronx, New York. She is going to be the dissenter. And the first couple of dissents that she came out with, I was like, okay, you know, these are okay. However, she has dissented on this last, execution the the official 13th execution and I just want to read to you guys a little bit of this because it it's brilliant and Sonia Sotomayor has officially arrived and I feel like everyone should have Etsy shops that are Sonia Sotomayor because the woman has officially arrived and found her own and RBG would be so proud of her 
So um, I'm just going to read this, so bear with me. Against this backdrop of deep legal uncertainty, the DOJ did not tread carefully. Simultaneously with the announcement of the 2019 protocol, it scheduled five executions, eight would follow in the months to come. This rapid pace required those facing execution to fast-track challenges to their sentences. Rather than permit excuse me, an orderly resolution of these suits, the government consistently refused to postpone execution and sought emergency relief to proceed before courts had meaningful opportunities to determine if the executions were legal. Throughout this expedited spree of executions, this court has consistently rejected inmates' credible claims for relief. The court has even intervened to lift stays of execution that lower courts put in place, thereby ensuring those prisoners' challenges would never receive a meaningful airing. The court made these weighty decisions in response to emergency applications with little opportunity for proper briefing and consideration, often in just a few short days or even hours. Very few of these decisions offered any public explanation for their rationale. This is not justice. After waiting almost two decades to resume federal executions, the government should have proceeded with some measure of restraint to ensure it did so lawfully. When it did not, this court should have. It has not. Because the court continues this pattern today, I dissent. I mean, this woman has arrived. She is having her moment. She is having her shining glory. Everything she is saying is, why are we rushing through this? Why? What is the hurry? We haven't done this in two decades. How about we make sure that we get this right? 13 inmates have been executed by the federal government. We have... July 17th, August 26th, August 28th, September 22nd, September 24th, November 19th, December 10th, December 11th, and then finally January 13th. They initially had announced that they were only going to execute five, and then they added eight more. We currently now have um, 60, I believe, excuse me, I wrote this down somewhere. Um, we currently have 50 inmates on death row now. So I, I don't know how this will continue. I don't know what uh, Merrick Garland is going to, if he's going to continue as the new attorney general or if he's going to investigate or what he's going to do. But the overall feeling I get from her dissent is why are we rushing? Why aren't we allowing the courts to do what the courts are supposed to do? Why are we ignoring what the lower courts are saying? She's basically saying we're over, overplaying our hand here. And that's exactly what a dissent is supposed to do. Um, Breyer and Elena Kagan, of course, signed off on this. But, you know, again, all of those pro-life justices who are all about overturning Roe v. Wade seem to have no problem of hurrying and executing inmates. And listen, however one feels about capital punishment, there's a couple of these cases where you start reading it. One of the cases was a man who was, 18 years old and he was caught up in a really bad situation there was a robbery gone wrong he didn't actually physically kill um the man and the woman in their car his friend killed them his friend had been executed for their deaths had admitted to killing them he was just part of the robbery and somehow he got put on federal death row and he was executed even though there was new evidence that they were trying to get to to the lower courts 
The lower court said no. The Supreme Court said no. He was executed. There's way too many cases these days of DNA and new evidence clearing. There was a man the other day. He was in prison for 25 years, and there was new evidence, and it turned out he wasn't involved whatsoever after 25 years. There's too many cases of that. How can we be pushing through federal executions when we're in a new age and the courts, like she said, are supposed to be there to help them? So, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. But the the, the positive thing that has come out of this is Sonia Sotomayor, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, has found her own and she has found her voice. And holy moly, watch out because we are going to be 636363. And she's going to dissent, dissent, dissent in the same manner that RBG did. And she's a remarkable justice even before this. But my, oh, my, watch out because she is a girl from the Bronx, like Jenny from the Bronx, y'all. So watch out for that. So keep an eye on federal execution and, and what the Biden administration and what Mar Merrick Garland is going to do. So we shall see. All right. So feels like we're going to be talking about this congresswoman for some time. I am talking about Congresswoman Bo Burt. Apparently her name is Bo Burt. I've been saying Bo Bart, but it's Bo Burt. But who really cares because she is a piece of work, so I care less. But she strikes again, y'all. She has striked again. So first and foremost, her communications director has quit and said, I'm out of here. And, and the reason he quit, Ben Goldley, is plain and simple, this is bananas. And after January 6th, I'm out of here. He's only worked for her for a couple days, and he cannot handle it. So that's interesting. Um, here is the very, very interesting part, guys. Okay, so I don't know if you guys have seen the now infamous video of a woman yelling in a blowhorn through the, the Capitol, sort of like a window that's on the bottom, and telling them, directing these people who are on the inside exactly where to go. And I mean, she's saying, you're going to want to turn right, you're going to want to turn left, you're going to want to turn the... Okay. She has a pink beanie on. She has sunglasses on. Well, it turns out that this congresswoman, Congresswoman Bobert, that may be her mom, Sean Benz. 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 Why do they have the weirdest names? Okay. That may have been her. There is no confirmation yet. There is no, but there's like online, <laughs> like people take her photo, a photo of her from her actual Facebook and put it over this woman's photo and there's no change whatsoever in facial structure. So what makes this interesting is she was in town because she was obviously there for her daughter's swearing in as a congresswoman. Um, and she has... She was in town for the swearing in and she had just done a tour of the United States Capitol with her daughter the day before. So what's interesting is she wasn't the only one getting the tour. Apparently there was a bunch of people that Congresswoman Boebert, she's trying to say she didn't give a tour, but the Capitol security footage is saying, no, you gave a tour along with a handful. I told you guys the other day, a handful of other some newly elected Congress members, some have been there for a while giving tours to people. And what's interesting is we're in the middle of COVID and the Capitol tours are shut down right now. So I can understand showing your mom around, but a whole bunch of other people who are very, um, how should I put this, basketful of deplorables. I'm going to say that now. I don't care. I think it's crazy that Hillary Clinton, they talk crap about her because it's true. That's what these people are, basketful of deplorables. Okay, so her mom was part of that tour. And then now there's a moment where you see her, someone that looks a lot like her with a blowhorn saying, go here, go here, go here. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Um, and her mom, Sean, just to be clear, has posted a couple of racist videos on her Facebook that have now magically gone away where she's sitting there talking to her friend about Mexicans and how they're ruining the country and the cliche bull. She's also part of that Q group that I don't, that I don't talk about. I found out today what actually that group is about, by the way. Uh, I saw it on my Instagram, so I didn't have to like Google anything. Someone had posted actually what they are. And what that Q group is about, the conspiracy theory, is they believe, it's like laughable, they believe that Donald Trump is fighting pedophiles. And that's what they believe, that he's taking down the government because they're all pedophiles. The Clintons are pedophiles. The And I say to that, like, wait a second, he was like besties with Jeffrey Epstein, who was running an entire pedophilia ring and brought those young girls to Mar-a-Lago multiple times. And it's not like there's just one photos. There's years of photos. So how can that even possibly be true that he that he's fighting pedophiles? Where are these pedophiles that he's fighting, by the way? Like, where are they? Like, I would like to know if he's taking down pedophiles, but that's the core of what that group actually is. And obviously it's turned into a bunch of other conspiracy theories, but like that's their underlying, like what they really believe that Trump is taking down the government and he's taking on pedophiles. Like who came up with this? Did Alex Jones come up with this? Did who came up with this? I mean, insane, insane. So in a little bit of a segue here, with the same thing to do with this Bo Burt girl, the San Francisco Giants owner apparently donated to her. And Christine Pelosi, who's Nancy Pelosi's daughter, who wrote this amazing book, The Nancy Pelosi Way, by the way, um, which I highly recommend. She lives in San Francisco, is a huge San Francisco Giants fan. And she is basically, she's on the board of one of their... San Francisco giant things. I have no idea. And she's asking him to refund, ask for a refund and to distance himself from this Congresswoman because she was the one who of course tweeted Nancy Pelosi had been taken out of the chambers, which now they're looking into as to why would she say that on and on considering that her mother's life was in danger. This all kind of makes sense. Um, so this woman has been in Congress for two seconds and so much controversy surrounding her. Her communications director quits. Her mother may be involved in January 6th. Her mother has come out, by the way, and said, I wasn't there. I was in the lockdown. What? How are you in the lockdown? There is no way that they were allowing family members to be on the hill, on the floor of the United States government when they're voting on the Electoral College. Even aides aren't really allowed to be on the floor at that point. So her story doesn't make sense. Uh, the pictures that all these like people are comparing the two pictures, there, there's a match there. Um, the fact that she was a part of the tour, the fact that all that, I mean, listen, if it, look, what is the saying? If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. So I think we have a duck here, folks. And, you know, the truth will come out and... Pelosi will always be on top, whether it's Christine Pelosi or Nancy Pelosi. That's just the Pelosi way. <laughs> Get it? The Nancy Pelosi way. Okay. Anyway, so I will keep you guys posted on this great congresswoman who's got so much excitement around her. So um, we are days away from inauguration, and we officially have over 25,000 troops 
National Guard troops uh, in Washington, D.C., and they're also in other capitals across America. God bless the National Guard. Um, D.C. literally looks like a war zone. Um, Fences are up. The entire National Mall is shut down, which if you've been to D.C., you know, like these huge, massive memorials that are outside you can't even get to. I mean, really think about that. It's it's fences everywhere. Um, you know, the reflective pool between Lincoln and, you know, the Washington Monument, fences everywhere around the Capitol, around already in the White House. He's been living under a, a, a huge fence anyways. But um, they Sunday's rehearsal has been canceled, obviously. They um, feel that it's not safe enough to have a rehearsal for the inauguration. Um Already, we've had two separate people who have been arrested trying to commit domestic terrorism. Um, they Their trucks, both of them, were filled with ammo, like 2,500 you know, bullets worth of ammo. And I'm like, why? I don't know anything about guns, but I'm like, I don't think that you need 2,500. So it's, <laughs> it's very crazy, but luckily they got them. One of the people had fake inauguration like papers. Um, that obviously I'm thinking that they made themselves. So thank God for the National Guard that's there. Um, places like the World Central Kitchen with Jose, uh, Chef Jose is handing out meals to the National Guard. Nancy Pelosi was down there handing them out um, really like great meals because he's an amazing chef. Um, we the Pizza in Washington, D.C., which is the best pizza in all of Washington, D.C., uh, the last time we were there, we ate it like three nights out of the five nights we were there, four nights we were there. Um, they are asking people to donate money and they'll bring pizzas. Um, it's this really great idea. Uh, District Donuts is doing the same thing, bringing donuts. And I think that that's an outstanding, great thing. Um, all I can say, though, is you know, I understand um, having the inauguration and making a point sort of like what we did after 9-11. I remember W. Bush saying, don't let them stop us. We're going to live our lives. We're going to reopen. We're going to, you know, baseball came back pretty quickly, I think less than a week after 9-11. Um, I understand all that. But I have to say at this point, why are we doing this outside? Why are we still sort of going on with this facade of, you know, I get it. Like I said, we're trying to take a stand and say you're not going to stop us. But you have all of Congress. You have the Clintons, the Obamas, the, the Bushes, uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, her family, his family. I mean, I mean, and this is already not going to be a normal normal inauguration because of COVID, um, which um, let me tell you, like inaugurations are fun and fabulous and you have all these like ball gowns and and fun times and you know all of that and none of that's really happening already um but I don't know I think it's I trust the National Guard 150 percent I believe that they will do their job but there's a lot of sick people out there and it makes me very very nervous I feel like I'm gonna be holding my breath and I know that I'm not the only one um, but all I can do is trust the National Guard that they're in Secret Service as well, that they're going to go above and beyond. So, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, and they're saying it's not just Washington, D.C. that's a threat. So that's what's scary, too. Um, so 
you know, we shall see, but we're only days away from this inauguration. And like I said, National Guard is there and people are donating to give to say thank you to the National Guard. And uh, they're going to apparently be there till about the 24th of January. They're saying the mall will be closed until the 24th. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, they've arrived and they mean business. And I am thankful that at least this time around, Trump approved the National Guard right away. I guess it's the least that he can do. And he apparently was asking for a military send-off, and the Pentagon said no. So uh, he will be flying out to Mar-a-Lago hours before Biden even uh, comes into town, basically, or goes into the White House or any of that. And it's sad. It's sad that we're at this place. I didn't want him at inauguration. I want to make that very, very clear. I don't want any of the Trumps. I don't want Ivanka. I don't want in her 2024 dreams. I don't want Melania. I don't want any of them. But it is sad that we are now at a place where he's not even man enough to sort of just do the damn thing. You know, have the little press conference, sit down with Joe Biden, accept, you know, welcome Joe Biden into the White House and, you know, the first ladies meet and all that. But that's not happening. And that's really, you know, it just it tells you how much of a better person Hillary Clinton was. Right. Because she went to the inauguration and I don't know how the hell she did that. But she did it and she didn't just go to inauguration. She stayed for the brunch afterwards. I mean, holy moly. So that's where we're at. We are days away from the end of the Trump era and beginning the Biden-Kamala Harris era. So there we go. Okay, so Daily Descent. Here we go. Um, I have to start saying I'm nothing like Sonia Sotomayor's descent, but here we go. So I posted, I did a video on our TikTok OG of the HRC, guys, check it out, um, where I had found out that We The Pizza, like I had mentioned before, was saying if you donate, you know, $50, $200, it provides pizzas for 64 troops or 10 troops. Now, they're doing it just to say thank you. And when I heard about it, I thought, oh my gosh, absolutely. So I donated and I made a little video to bring awareness to other people to just simply say thank you. It's not about feeding the military. It's about just saying thank you. And there's a couple other restaurants, small businesses in Washington, D.C. who are doing the same thing. And I think that it's a great thing. 90% of the feedback comments was positive. And everyone shared it and it went semi-viral, the most viral I think any of my videos have gone. And I greatly appreciate all of you for that. And they were positive. There was people who were like, I sent my son to Washington, D.C. He's in the National Guard. He, thank you so much. Um, I'm an Army wife. Thank you so much. I'm a, you know, and those are the things that I hold on to. But there was a handful of people who very much said the military budget is, you know, $934 billion. You're telling me that they can't feed them or we as taxpayers already feed them. Why do we have to keep feeding them? We pay so much into the military budget. Okay, first and foremost, this is just a way to say thank you to National Guard who are, if you look at these kids, they're kids. They're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. They are being sent to the Capitol to defend the Capitol from domestic terrorism in our country so that we can have a peaceful transition of power in our country. Okay, these are kids who are sleeping in the Capitol with no cots, no nothing. The first time they, the National Guard has had to spend the night in the Capitol since the Civil War. 
defending it. Okay, yes, the military feeds them. Yes, we as taxpayers pay a lot of money into our military budget. But why first, why is it so wrong to just say thank you? It's not. It's a really kind gesture to do, especially when they don't know who you are and they're just getting this pizza and what kid doesn't want a pizza? And I want everyone to remember, the draft is long gone. These kids are signing up and saying, I want to protect my country, even though, let's be honest, in the last handful of years, we've been in wars that we should have never been in, fighting who knows what, and yet they decided they still want to be involved in all military. So yes, I'm going to send pizza. No shame in that whatsoever. I want to break this down for everyone, that an entry-level National Guard member makes $20,000 a year. $20,000 a year, okay? A general in the Air Force makes about $189,000 a year. So good if you make it. There's a big difference between entry-level, Army, Navy, whatever it is, and a general. Okay, big difference there. Second, the average person in the military makes $44,000 per year. It's actually really not a lot of money considering what they do for our country, but okay. Yes, our military budget is $934 billion. That is a huge chunk of money. I have a full awareness that, of that. However, personal payment and benefits make up only 39% of the annual budget. That's not a lot. The rest of that money literally goes into wars, into weapons, into tanks, into supplies, okay? That's where the money goes. It's not going to our soldiers. It is going to all of that. They have some hammers that cost $2,000 a hammer. That was Trump's whole thing, was that he was going to change that and make it so we weren't paying $2,000 per hammer and give more money to our soldiers. He didn't do that. Okay, so when I'm talking about saying thank you to these men and women who sign up on their own, yeah, they're not making a whole lot. And let me tell you what happens after they leave the military, right? Everyone talks about the VA, the VA, the VA. The VA budget is $243 billion, and that has been a 10% increase, the highest increase we've seen in 10 years. That covers 19 million veterans in America. And do you want me to tell you how, how crappy the VA is? Because it is. It is run horribly. We have our veterans who wait six months to see a doctor. We have veterans who wait six months to see a specialist because they can't go outside of their network of the VA hospital. So yeah, I'm gonna send pizza to our troops to say thank you. Because I don't really think that they get told that very often. Because people are not able to see the troops versus the war or the situation they're facing. You don't got to agree with the situation that they're facing. I am not a, a believer of the Iraq war. I am not a believer in the Afghanistan war. I was not a believer of the Vietnam war, okay, or the Korea war, if we're really going to get into it. However, you look at the way that Vietnam soldiers were treated when they came home, and they were a part of a draft, so they didn't make the decision. They were forced to go to a war they didn't believe in. They were treated as bad as the actual war was. 
One does not have to do with the other. And you are able to say thank you to a soldier who risked his or her life to protect America and still say, I, but I don't agree with that war. You know, funny story, most of the soldiers don't necessarily agree with the war or the situation that they're brought into, but that's not their job to do that. Their job is to do what the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief, tells them to do. Tell, what their generals tell them to do. So, yeah, the, these kids, and that's what they are, they are kids, they deserve a hell of a lot more than what they're getting. So if I can send a pizza to 64 troops, which is what I did personally, and I can bring awareness of that, and I can also at the same time help out a small business that is having issues paying its bills because Washington, D.C. has been shut down because of COVID, and I'm not helping a corporation, I'm helping a small business, I'm helping a really good man, Chef Spike, who owns We The Pizza, and he had said that if it, get, it gets too overwhelming with the pizzas and they've given pizzas to all the troops that are in Washington, D.C., he's going to go and go to other small business restaurants in Washington, D.C. and say, here's some money, bring them treats. Treats. That's what it is. Treats. Okay, so, yes, I am a supporter of all of that. I could care less how much money I'm giving to the military budget because most of my taxpayers' money is not going to those men and women who are fighting for our country. It's going to weapons. It's going to bullshit. Okay. So yeah. So the next time, the next time that you see something like that, maybe think before you respond because these kids are doing their job and they're protecting us. And if something goes wrong, God forbid, on inauguration, thank God they're there because it's their job to protect all of us. Thank God for that. And thank God these kids are saying, yeah, sign me up. Even though when all is over, they're not given a whole lot. They have to wait six months for a doctor. So thank and making $44,000 a year and having six tours in Iraq and coming home a completely different person than when they left and not able to get the mental health that help that they need. So yes, I will continuously be sending pizzas or whatever else I need to send to say thank you. And I think that all of us should do that as well. I think it's the one of the rare things in this country that we should not be arguing about. And this whole narrative of if you're a Republican, you're more patriotic because I care about the troops or I can or if you're a Democrat, you're anti-patriotic because you're talking. No, we should all agree. One thing we should all agree on is that none of our veterans should be homeless and going without food, and that our troops should be taken care of so that when they come home and they're messed up, they're taken care of. Their families are taken care of. Their children are taken care of. But we don't do that. So maybe we should get on that, guys. All right, guys. Until next time, OG of the HRC, signing out.